Park Hopping Podcast number 92, VIP Experience Part 2. Lots of important things to say. This is not art. Coming up next in our show. This is not media. First, the news. This is not news. Now, welcome back to the show. This is another crappy podcast production. Celebrating over 12 years of posting Disney stuff on the internet. This is another crappy podcast production. Hi there, this is Alan from DisneyFans.com, and this is the Park Hopping Podcast, show number 92, the podcast that proves anyone can have their own podcast. Welcome back to the Park Hopping Podcast, coming to you almost live and almost direct from Des Moines, Iowa, USA. Previously on the Park Hopping Podcast was part one of me describing the Universal Studios Hollywood VIP Experience Tour. It was a really long episode, so I'm chopping it up into multiple parts, so we're going to get started right away with part two of my description of my day on this $200 tour. Do you remember where we were? Well, we were right about here. One of the next stops was where they fabricate things, and there were samples of different wall textures of how, you know, this is the building when it was new, this is the building when it got remodeled, this is the building 30 years later when all the wallpaper is peeling. And they were working on, it was like a giant wood shop, and they were making tables and benches and chairs and, and simulating broken windows and all kinds of stuff. We got to see that up close. They walked us to another place where they were working with metal, and we kind of got to see the metal shop where they were doing things that had to actually be structurally rigid. We got to go see the place where they do things out of foam, like um, uh, plastic covers that look like their uh, lockers in school and a big fire extinguisher, like a fire hydrant that could be picked up. It was just made out of foam and, and um, manhole covers and fake bricks and rocks and boulders. All this stuff was either foam or it was uh, molded plastic. And they had literally walls of samples of every type of surface you could imagine, brick and stone and mud and all kinds of stuff. And this is where movie companies would come to have stuff done for their sets. So if they were actually wanting to build something that looked like a uh, Spanish stucco roof building, but they didn't want to build the real thing, they could have all these panels made that looked just like the kind of adobe brick. Very interesting. They even had doorknobs and handles and bolts, anything that would have looked real but didn't need to be real, could be made really cheaply out of this thin plastic. So we got to see that. We got to take an elevator ride and, and get off further in another building, and we got to go to the sign shop. The sign shop is where they made the maps, the Pirates of the Caribbean maps that were used in the movie. Stickers and posters and banners and fake uh, video covers. All kinds of stuff was in there. She held up a... um. DVD case it looked just like Blockbuster, except it said something like, you know, speedy video, but it was supposed to look in the style of Blockbuster so they could use something that seemed familiar but wasn't violating anybody's trademark. There were popcorn cups and badges and, you know, pretty much anything you could see hanging on a wall, on a building, on a desk, they could make in this shop. So we got to see um, gravestone markers and certificates and diplomas. Uh, anything from small things like that to fake magazines, and they had samples of all the types of letterings and fonts and graphics they could do. Pretty mind-blowing. We even saw one that said Empire City Police. I know there's a few nerds out there that know where that's from because I saw that and I was a little surprised to see something like that sitting here mixed in with all the real stuff they had. 
So endless samples of the stuff they, they did, including a lot of stuff from various movies. After this, we kind of got to walk outside, and they pointed out down below us was the area of Universal Studios that burnt down early last year. A lot of the buildings were still there, but there was a big, large clearing where the King Kong section of the tram tour used to be and various other things were all gone. So we loaded back up on our vehicle and we started driving. Now, this is when the thing that felt like the standard Universal Studios tour happened. There was an old, rickety old bridge that they took us over, and I remember this from, you know, 10 years ago seeing it. And, of course, it drives over and the bridge starts collapsing and falling apart, and it's part of the show, and it drops a little bit and gives everybody a good scare. Well, this bridge had been closed for a while. They just got it reopened, I think, sometime last year. And as we drive back around, we get to watch the bridge as all the poles go back up and the bridge resets itself for the next show. Now, the interesting thing about doing it the way we were, we were in just a little small vehicle, not a large tram with a bunch of vehicles strung together. So they would actually have to drive all the way up to a sensor, then he would have to back up so we would be in place for the full effect. So it was kind of interesting watching the day as that went on. She would play some video clips for us about what we were about to see, then we kind of got to drive through the uh, area where vehicles used in various movies were. We got to see vehicles from Animal House, and we got to see Magnum P.I.'s car, something from the Marx Brothers. We got to see the, one of the spaceships from Serenity, uh, Blues Brothers, on and on and on, Jurassic Park, Back to the Future cars from, I guess, the original one. We got to see one of the DeLoreans and some of the uh, vehicles from the third, the second and third Back to the Future. So it was pretty interesting seeing a lot of these vehicles. Even movies like The Fast and the Furious, more recent stuff was out there. Now, since they started teasing us with Fast and the Furious, the next part of the tram tour drives us into a little set that's all um, kind of Tokyo decorated with graffiti, and they're demonstrating how... Some of the special effects would work, and we see two of these little race cars out there, and they come speeding towards the uh, the tram, and bullet hits happen, and there's fire, and the cars fly up, and they're on the end of these kind of robotic arms, and they kind of do a little synchronized dance to music, and it's kind of cheesy. Again, this is something you could see on the regular tram tour, but we were seeing it just our little vehicle. We could stop and ask questions and watch it reset. They'd let us see a lot more than the uh, normal tram does because it has to keep moving all the time. So that was cute. I've got pictures of the cars doing their cheesy little dance there. Uh, kind of a waste, if you ask me. It was not something that I really thought was worth a stop, just to see some car props dancing around in a robot arm. The next thing we went through was an engine area, engine, I-N-G-E-N, the company from Jurassic Park. They drove us through some sets and some props, and we got to watch some clips from the movie and see more Jurassic Park props, and of course get attacked by a couple of little dinosaurs that sprayed us with water. Great fun. Now, this is the type of studio tour we're used to seeing at these places, like at Disney in Florida. You have Catastrophe Canyon, and you have the different show scenes you pass by. There were a lot of things like this on the tour that we were getting to see. We get through the Jurassic Park thing, and she explained how they did the moss on the fake trees. And then we drive into an area, and we're looking at some behind-the-scenes structures of the buildings. And we get to kind of a Mexico-themed area. And then a big flood happens, and the whole thing floods and water pours around us. And then they actually show us some movies where this set, which was created for the tram tour, was actually used in several movies. It was used in an episode of, I think she said Quantum Leap, and then there was a, a more recent movie they showed that had this whole scene. So tons of water and rain effects. Very nice. 
we get to go on past this and we drive into some more scenes where we're going to go past, um, oh gosh, what was the movie? A lot of the Western movies were here and they named a whole bunch of them. And they they always point out what movies were filmed here. And we kind of drive up in the middle of some guys and some mats and the upper stairs Western bank buildings and you could see all the air mats and, and cables and hose. And they're acting, oh, I didn't know anybody was filming today. And they're doing their little typical theme park. Ooh, we've accidentally got somebody really doing something. Well, they stop and talk to him, and they're like, hey, no problem. We're just rehearsing some stunts. And they do a stunt for us. The guy runs out and shoots the guy upstairs, and he falls through the railing and hits an airbag and throws a stick of dynamite, and it blows up. And they came out and talked to us for a few moments, and off we went. So it was it was very well done, although the setting us up as if we were stumbling into something that's really going on, that was a little forced, and there was a lot of that on these tours. Same thing happens when you're in Florida and they're trying to tell you, oh, this is the set for such and such TV commercial, and you know, it's just a theme park exhibit. Now, the so far, the tour on this tram has been just like the public would see. We did get to ask a lot more questions because there was just maybe, you know, 10 of us and one tour guide instead of a whole bunch of people on a tram. So we got to go through what used to be the parting of the Red Sea. Well, now they have it set up where there's water covering the road, the water drains down to make a path, and the tram drives into it. They have it set up like the King Kong movie now, and when you get down low and drive through it, you can look over to the left and see the models that were used, or recreations of the models. She said this was just so, this is what the camera would see. You'd be down low looking at it across the water. So they've kind of lost that classic element that the tram tour used to be known for and again it really didn't do anything the water goes away they didn't really talk about it uh, but it was still kind of neat that it was still there we drive past that and then we started noticing some of the actual full trams were driving around and we were seeing them going to scenes we'd already gone through so we knew that this was all part of the standard public tour it was obvious we weren't doing anything to vip yet we got to go through some sets that were used in various movies and I never saw any of them so I don't know what they were and they were setting up to film like a chewing gum commercial and had like a hundred people setting up props and decorations and and um it was just madness as we saw how many people were going to work on something that would effectively be a 30 minute tv commercial so we drove a little further and we drove into a courtyard where all kinds of movies were filmed and there we actually got to get out and walk around and look at stuff. And I'm not sure if we stopped there or later, but this is one difference, is our tram would stop in various places, and we would actually get out and get to walk on these sets, not just drive past them. We were going someplace to see, I don't know, props or some other place, and, and they had just graveyards of every type of city bench you could find, and every type of umbrella, and every type of picnic table. Uh, the l giant shopping cart that was used in the Lily Tomlin Incredible Shrinking Woman movie from the late 70s or early early 1980s, whenever it was. Tons of things out there. Lots of trash bins. Some of them that had uh, graffiti on it. Some of them were all rusted. Some of them looked new. And they walked us into what was the prop warehouse. The prop warehouse is where productions will go to rent things they need for their sets. This could be anything from tables and chairs to lamps to board games, to TV sets, VCRs, anything that would fill in a set. And it was all grouped based on what it was and the time it came from. So if you were filming something set in the 1950s, you could get an authentic 1950s toaster, a 1950s TV set, a phone, board games, food packages, 
you know, like they'd open the refrigerator and there'd be all these frozen dinners. They had all this stuff in there. So we got to spend a good half hour walking up and down aisles looking at chairs. Okay, so here's chairs from the Wild West days on up to futuristic-looking chairs. Here are chandeliers from all parts of time. Here are, uh, gosh, it just went on and on and on. This warehouse was unbelievable in the amount of stuff that it had. There were entire displays of, like, okay, here's the Egyptian section. Here's all these Egyptian knickknacks. Here's all the the Wild West knickknacks. Here's all the police stuff. Here's all the... Uh, cups, here's all the plates, here's all the refrigerators, here's all the electronics like phones, on and on and on. I mean, I've never seen so many coffee makers. There was an aisle that was nothing but computers. If they want to recreate a movie filmed in 1993 with the old green screen monitors and computers and external speakers and keyboards, they had everything there. Every type of VCR and and DVD players, 8-track players, cassette players. Every type of thing you could think of was in here, and I took tons of pictures. They had a whole aisle that was nothing but alcohol bottles, and it was stuff that was around today, stuff that was around a long time ago. I was seeing, like, old beer cans. There were mounted heads, stuffed animal heads. There was armor. There were swords. There were rugs. There was luggage. There were dummies that were used, including one that looked like, um, oh, gosh, what was the movie? It was made for a movie, and it was Meryl Streep, I believe. And they had her dummy there, and it actually got used in other productions. They'd come and say, yeah, we need to throw a body over a bridge, and they'd, they'd rent this thing, and, and they'd use it. They'd just kind of decorate it up. So this was probably the biggest amount of time we spent on the tour was going up and down the aisles of this prop warehouse, and they'd explain things. And she'd stop and point out, oh, here's the badge from Dragnet, and oh, here's the book Ark Building for Dummies from um, Bruce Almighty. Or no, Evan uh, was Evan Almighty. It was the second one. Here's the nose that Robin Williams wore as Patch Adams. Here's the bronze shoes from the Grinch movie. Here's, you know, it, it just so many little knickknacks were in here. And then there was a whole section that was just movie props, things that were used in productions, and they'd have signs on them. You know, these are props are from whatever. They're not for rent. And while we were there, people were walking around with carts, and they were just literally checking stuff out. They were loading up their cart as if they were shopping with whatever they need, and they'd go up the front, have it scanned, and they'd haul it off and then bring it back when they were done. They even offer a discount. It's not just movie studios, but film students are allowed to rent stuff in here at a big discount. So somebody who was doing a student film could actually come in and end up with some of the same props that were used in classic movies. They had stuff from old Abbott and Costello, famous Munster movies, and she says, yeah, that was put in the movie The Mummy, and it was used in this and that. And everything is rented based on its appraised value, so if it's something really old and really antique, then your rental fee is significantly higher than what it would be if you're just renting, you know, a generic chair. So uh, after we got done with this, they they took us out on a little more tour. We got to walk through something that had been used for, like, the streets of Rome and Italy and kind of a European feel, and they let us get out. They let us walk up to the steps and get our pictures taken. We couldn't touch anything. We weren't allowed to actually go up on the set but they would let us walk around and look at it closely. They gave us certain boundaries. They'd say, you know, don't cross this line, don't go over there. And we got a real close look at the TV commercial that was being filmed there. And they had, it, it, it looks like they just went down and loaded up props. It was kind of a flea market look. It looks like they must have loaded up wagons worth of stuff from the prop warehouse to decorate all this. Finally, we get back on our uh, tram and we're on our way. We go past... Um, more Western sets, and then we drive around the city of Amityville, 
Amityville. Is it Amity? It's from the movie Jaws. It's the seaside village, and we drive through the scene near the water, and the shark attacks a diver, and then the shark comes up and tries to attack the tram, and it spews water. This is a classic thing that the Universal Studios tram tour has had you know, since Jaws came out, practically, and it was still there, fire effects and all, and it was neat. And then when we were done, we kind of got to watch the shark go backwards and reset itself, and uh, off we went. Next, we went past the scenes, the sets that are used for the um, TV show Desperate Housewives, and they talked about the different shows. Like, one of the houses on the Desperate Housewives lot was either the house from the Munsters or Leave it to Beaver or something like that. There were a lot of houses that have been reused, and they've been redecorated, just like real houses might, and they're no longer um, recognizable, but she was pointing out where they were. And this was a real set. They were really setting up to do some filming there, and there were closed set signs and security guards posted, so we weren't able to drive down Wisteria Lane, but she did play some video for us. We got to see the sets that were being set up for the Christmas Grinch celebration they do at the theme park, and then we drove right up to the old Bates Motel from the movie Psycho. Parked out in front was uh, an old 1950s-looking car, and we stopped, and suddenly, while she's telling us the story, off in the distance was the, the psycho house. Uh, Norman Bates comes out from the uh, the hotel office, and he's got a body wrapped up. And she stops, and she she's looking at him, and then he looks up and starts staring at her. She's like, oh, well, I think he saw us. So it, it was a little interaction with just one cast member there, and... Of course, he starts walking towards the uh, tram, and he pulls out a knife, and he pursues us. He gets up right close, close, and we drive off. A cute little touch, something where they're paying an actor to do this role just for the sake of this little show. And it was rather, it was rather cute. It was kind of interesting seeing it. We drove up and around the hill, and then we were right in front of the old psycho house, not five feet away from it. We got to look at it and see Mom rocking up in the window. I remember that. And right behind the Psycho House is where they built the big airplane crash scene from the remake of War of the Worlds. So we turn the corner around the Psycho House and park. To the left of us is the Psycho House. To the right of us is a huge football-filled thing of, of damaged houses and pipes and cars and smoking airline damage. Then we get to do something the normal tour doesn't. They actually stopped, and we got to get off, walk through the set, which looked like somebody had literally just blown up a, a whole suburban neighborhood. There were collapsed houses and furniture and everything was there. And she said so much of it was strategically placed based on how they needed in the movie and it was fixed so the rain and the wind didn't blow away, but it looked like it was just a real disaster area. She said that uh, when Steven Spielberg had this built, part of his agreement was it would not get used in another production. But they do allow some disaster training groups to use it. So they've actually had people use this set as a simulation of what a real disaster would be like. So we got to walk through a special path that went right through this, right past the the airline where the uh, the, the the sorry the airline the airplane crashed into the house that I guess Tom Cruise or whoever was in it lived lived in in the movie. We got to see that right up close and. Behind the scenes, we could see where the smoke machines were that were spewing out the smoke for the tram tour and kind of see the wiring. But we got to go all the way through this thing and walk from one into the next and look at the luggage and all the stuff that had come out of the plane and, and see it really up close, and everything was detailed. While we were there, one of the regular tram tours comes through, and they just kind of slow down and talk about it. 30 seconds later, they're gone. And we got to spend a good number of minutes there, and then when we get back on our tram, they play video from that scene, and we actually see what it looked like in the movie. And, and sure enough, that's where we were. They built and destroyed 
fronts of houses. The tram tour goes on from there. We see a house that's been used in a bunch of things. It's been used in Desperate Housewives. I think she said it was built for a movie, Uncle Buck. And it looks like it's sitting out in the middle of the woods with trees and a background from a certain angle. But as soon as we turned around it, the, the view is completely different. So they were using the limited space to control their angles when they built a lot of these sets. We got to see the giant wall that's been used in so many movies. It was used at the very end of the Truman Show, and it's been used for music videos. I believe they used it for Pirates of the Caribbean. And they paint it up like a, like a sky, and they fill the tank in front of it with water, and it, looks, it gives them a way to control the background for water scenes. And it was drained right there. Uh, they showed us a montage of movies that did it. and At some point, we're finally done with the tram tour. They drive us right back up, and we get off, and we're suddenly right back in the theme park. So that's pretty much the behind-the-scenes portion of the tour. It was part getting out and walking and seeing sets up close, part tram tour, and part one-on-one Q&A. We did get to go a number of places the normal tram tour doesn't get to go. That was pretty cool. Okay, once again, because I know your time is valuable, well, at least it should be. How valuable can it be if you're listening to this show? I'm going to cut this episode short and come back with the final part three next. So the next time you're there, be sure to take an extra picture, shoot some extra video, because you really never know when something you like, love, or hate is going to go away and never be around again. And on that note, I think that'll do it for me this time. So be sure to visit DisneyFans.com, where you can browse around 60,000 digital pictures I've taken at Disneyland, Disney World, Universal Studios, Hollywood, and other theme parks across the country, as well as dozens of downloadable video files from the Disney parks. And if you want to drop me a note, my email address is podcast at DisneyFans.com. This has been the Park Hopping Podcast, show number 92, VIP Experience Part 2. Thanks for listening, and Part 3 is coming up real soon. Another Crappy Podcast production. Be sure to visit anothercrappypodcast.com to learn more about this and other equally exciting uh, podcasts. Hey, if you're planning a trip to Walt Disney World and plan to stay off-site, and you've ever wondered what the deal is with all those cheap ticket timeshare promotions, visit DisneyFans.com secret. You can get a special deal at a luxury resort, all by enjoying a great breakfast while taking a tour and listening to a self-pitch. That's DisneyFans.com secret.